What up, gang? This is episode number 11, Telescope Talks. I don't know. What are we calling it? We'll figure it out later on. But Telescope to Talks me, or something. Yeah. Maybe. It's me, Rahul, Fiom, Ethan, and we're going to be talking about the James Webb Telescope. So this telescope launched on Christmas morning, 2021. It's been a while. It's been out there. Now, three months later, it's now March, and the telescope has fully deployed and taken its first test photo. There were a lot of setbacks going into this telescope and a lot of additional money being put in. And the sad fact is the telescope is only realistically going to be operational for around five to five and a half to 10 years, more along the lines of the 10 years part. Right. I saw that um, like the primary mission, which is uh, I Rahul, maybe you could give me some knowledge on that. I actually don't know. I just read the headline. I'm guilty of that. Uh, yeah, I was guilty of just reading the headline, but the primary mission is like five and a half years. And the uh, with the expected one is like 10, but the planned one was like 20. So, um, yeah, sorry, go on. I interrupted you a little. Yeah, no, no, no. That's correct. Uh, I, oh, I believe that's correct, at least. Um, so, the the telescope itself before we get into the specifics had a lot of setbacks going for it it was supposed to launch years prior and it ended up launching in 2021 um it cost an additional several billions of dollars i don't know if you want to talk a little bit about what happened why that was the case what led up to the whole yeah so the the telescope was originally I believe uh, developments on it originally began in uh, like 1996, which is like a crazy long time ago. And then um, it was kind of like agreed upon to be started to be built in like 2007. And um, it was going to start being constructed in 2008. Uh, In 2010, it passed its like design review, which is like stress testing of like the concept which is where they make sure that there's not any like fatal flaws for it and it's all good in 2010. And um, so in 2015, it was found out that the earliest possible launch date, or sorry, it, at that time in 2010, it was not the earliest possible launch date was in 2015 and it would cost $1.5 billion extra, which would basically put the total to $6.5 billion. And then um, this number kept on going up each year. Um, And then in 2021, once it was finally launched, it launched in December 25th of 2021. Uh, The plan went from 1997 and it was planned to launch in 2007. And it was planned to launch for $500 million. And then all the way in 2021, which is when it actually launched, it was launched at a cost of 9.7 billion dollars with a b so it originally went from 500 million to 9.7 billion so um it was a huge huge long delays um, a long series of delays and a long series of setbacks and um like a budget that went way overboard but uh in the end they did get it done but uh some people are uh worrying about the 
worth that they're getting from the telescope project because the Hubble Space Telescope, Rahul, I don't know if you could chime in, but it was it certainly lasted a lot longer than this. Oh yeah, the Hubble Space Telescope's definitely been operational for about like, I'd say 30 years now. Um, but here's the thing about the two telescopes. Um, the Hubble Space Telescope is much closer to us than the James Webb Telescope will ever be. And right. that gives it a significant advantage and disadvantage. The advantage being that we're able to have manned missions to the Hubble Space Telescope to fix it, repair it, you know, give it some like minor tweaks. But right. but disadvantages are it doesn't have the functionalities that the James Webb Telescope does. Um, mm. Hubble can look at the visible light spectrum um, and it, it's pretty much because I, I don't know. The Hubble is like a lens, like a camera lens that's like with glass that's super magnified. But James Webb is is different in the fact that it, it's like a gold-plated mirror that could detect like ultraviolet. Exactly. So it can detect it, it, it looks light. like infrared light. And yeah. and so James Webb goes into other frequencies of light and light waves. And this right. allows it to actually peer into the depths of our universe. And mm -hmm. that's mainly one of the goals of the James Webb Telescope. It's trying to give us data about what the universe was like in its early stages right after the Big Bang. Right. Um, to do that, it's peering deep into our universe to find the earliest formed galaxies and send us images of what they look like so we can get more data and analyze that. Mm -hmm. But It's also worth noting that like the James Webb Telescope also had also cannot detect some of the frequencies that the Hubble telescope can just because of the wavelengths of light that they cover like the James Webb can go in terms of like light spectrum I believe it can go higher on the spectrum but I think the Hubble covers more of the lower end I could be wrong though yep. but yep. it covers more it. light but it's just like further higher on the spectrum yep uh, um, yep that's pretty much it um yeah but, but going back to the whole Hubble talk, the advantage I said of the Hubble is that it's close to the Earth. The thing with the James Webb Telescope is that it's going to a Lagrange point in space. And there are five Lagrange points um, relative to the Earth and the Sun. So the Lagrange point is a position in space where an object is sent and it pretty much stays put. Um, and... This staying put idea is relative to the two bodies. So, so the two bodies in this case would be the sun and the earth. The gravitational pull of the two masses are pretty much equal to the centripetal force required to keep this object to move along with them in space. So relative to the two objects, um, the James Webb telescope will be stationary. And that's perfect because it's traveling to this Lagrange point called L2. Um, as I said, there are five Lagrange points. Three of them are unstable and two of them are stable. The thing is, the James Webb telescope needs to be as far away from the sun as possible to function properly. And so because it needs to stay away from the sun and stays away from the heat, it needs to block out <clears throat> all the additional heat that can disable or disrupt the sensors on the telescope. So right. this Lagrange point that it's going to is on the far side of the earth. 
with respect to the sun. Yeah. So none of the sun's rays or the light or the heat from the sun is going to actually damage the sensors. And the Lagrange point that you're talking about, L2, it's like if the Earth is here, Lagrange point number, and if Earth is here and the sun is here, L2 is like here, and then L4, L5 here, L1 here, and then L3 here. And so like, it's interesting It's interesting because the James Webb's uh, sensors and telescopes, they're so... Um, they're so delicate and they're so sensitive that they physically have to be as far away from the sun as possible, like you mentioned already. And at the Lagrange point, there's like no gravitational pull because they're, you know more about this than I do, but they're exactly equal from each other, right? Like the gravitational yeah. forces cancel well, out. Well, they should, no, the gravitational forces are equal to the centripetal force that's keeping this body move the the satellite or the telescope moving around um, mm. in its orbit. So mathematically, physics calculations wise, it is equal uh, in that mm. sense. And so it's keeping it's it moving. Still. Yeah. Relative okay. to the bo two bodies. I mean, That's obviously cool. the viewers can't see your hands that you were describing, but yeah. I hope they can get like a general sense. Oh, of I, what's forgot, going on. I forgot. I <laughs> forgot. When I was talking about L2, L2 is like behind the earth and uh, L1 is like in front, L4 is above, L3 is like on the sun side. So L2 is just the furthest away from the sun. That's the Lagrange point. That's the furthest away from the sun. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. Yeah. The, the perk of that point is that least amount of heat can go to damage the sensors. And mm -hmm. it's so that the telescope itself is in the coldest possible environment it can be in to function properly. But here's the thing. This isn't enough. The cold temperatures of space, it isn't enough to keep the telescope functioning. So what scientists have done is, uh, I believe they put liquid helium um, aboard the telescope. And so this just pretty much keeps the temperature stable enough so that the telescope will function and it'll be cool enough that none of the sensors will get damaged. But this is also a drawback. You can only have enough helium on board to last 10 years. And this is the limiting factor of the telescope. Uh, as we said, it's originally planned to go for 20 years. It does have the fuel to stay in orbit, to make the corrections when necessary, to stay in orbit for 20 years, but the liquid helium will gradually get used up and then the sensors will start malfunctioning. So then after 10 years, it's at that point, not good. Right. And you can only, yeah, like you said, you can only have so much helium, like you can't harvest it from anywhere. It's not like you a solar panel where you can like, you know, power your telescope through that, right? And this one does yeah. take like more energy than the Hubble telescope because of the complexity of the instruments that it has. Yep. Um, and, um, and yeah. Go on. Did you want to talk about more of like more about like the design of the James Webb Telescope of like how it's like yeah I was about unusual. to talk yeah, yeah I was yeah, about sorry. to talk about that you uh, had mentioned the giant gold plated mirror that this telescope has and I believe the mirror is about uh, sixteen maybe twenty one twenty two feet <laughs> um, and so it has to extend. Um, and be as big as possible to get a good resolution of space and of the galaxies in the far reaches of the universe. 
And so the problem is you can't carry a 20-foot mirror inside of a spaceship and then transport it to space. Like, that's just not physically possible. Well, it is, but then then pretty much the rocket has to be massive. And that's just even more money, more time, more energy, more resources that we do not want to waste. So uh, what scientists had to do is they had to fold up the mirror. They split the mirror into little, I believe, hexagon shapes. And it's, it's folded origami style so that, so that it can fit inside like a 15-foot space when launching. So when this uh, telescope gets sent to space, after it's reached and escaped from the rocket ship, the whole mirror has to unfold itself. Like origami, the parts are gradually unfolding. And now after three months in March, it's finally unfolded. The little mirrors have been adjusted to wherever they have to get adjusted to so that the mirror can collect light from these objects in space. The more light the mirror can collect, the more details this telescope can observe. So it's very necessary that these panels are adjusted correctly and properly so that everything functions well. Um, right. Uh, yeah, like like it just took a lot of effort to get this whole process to work. As you said, it cost a lot of money um, and a lot of different countries worked on this project. So this unusual mirror pattern that this telescope has, it took additional effort and that, that just ramped up the cost. But it's it's necessary. I mean, what can I say? Mm-hmm. What I Any, found like... Bad? yeah so when i was like thinking about it and like what i found out not what i found out but like what i thought was really crazy is that all of this technology that you're that they're doing with james webb all of this stuff is like 20 year old technology at this point right because they originally started like designing this and planning it in like the 19 late 1990s so all of this is all this technology is like 20 years old right so like the advances that are going to come with the next telescope are going to be insane because you know the technology's got had like an insane revolution in the past 20 years so um, do you know about the next telescope that NASA is going to launch and like what can you talk can you talk about it what can you talk about it um I don't know much about it, but what NASA said is in 2027, they expect to launch this Nancy Grace Roman telescope, um, which is supposed to be the successor of the James Webb telescope. Just but like here's James the catch. Webb Hubble, right? <clears throat> yeah, but here's the catch. 2027, I-, I highly expect there to be delays, yeah. more money being put into it. So mm-hmm. I'd probably expect 2030. Um for this to actually work but at the least at the least but the design of this telescope and the purpose of this telescope uh, is to pretty much give us more insights into the universe we know that dark energy and dark matter are things that exist or we have an idea that they exist but we can't prove it and mm. using this telescope hopefully we can get more insights into it. 
we can figure out what exactly is dark energy and dark matter. How is yeah. it used? TV shows like like The Flash, for example, you definitely have like dark matter that like plagues the city and then people get superpowers. Mm-hmm. That's not it. Um, right. Dark matter is a thing. Um, people have talked about um disruptions in space and that's why when your tv has like static they blame it to dark matter in space um or or like the dark energy and and it just it has it has effects in the real world but we just can't observe it like it's not one of the fundamental things i mean it is but it isn't something observable like like we can see protons we can see neutrons we can see electrons how they act but uh-huh. it, it's it's sort of like the number i. It's the square root of negative one. Like it's imaginary, right? Like you mm. don't know what it is. But it exists I as a plays, theory. Yeah, but i plays yeah. a vital role into several physics equations and mathematical equations that define how the world and the universe functions. Like Einstein's equations, all of those definitely have the square root of negative one involved. And like, how do you get the square root of negative one? you you don't like you don't don't. therefore like there's that whole imaginary like number responsible for it Mm -hmm. similarly dark matter dark energy they're things and concepts that exist in the world but we just can't see it we we don't know what it's like so hopefully Mm -hmm. this telescope will do its magic (laughs) and give us some some uh better insights as to what they are i mean delay wise i definitely think they're going to be delays but i don't know what do you i mean i like sort of just to close out like i wanted to like just think about for a second like as time has gone on and as technology has improved that's enabled us to understand and observe more of our universe and that's like crazy to think about because you start off with the when when the Hubble telescope was starting to be floated and when it was launched, I think it was launched in 1991 and the early 1990s for sure. But um, we knew very little about deep space or relatively deep space. We knew very little about constellations and the Hubble space telescope took some groundbreaking photographs of like, for example, like the three stallions, uh, some supernovas. It was incredible. The pictures that came out of it and it enabled us to learn a lot more about our universe. And um, that was with very like old technology compared to now, because, you know, technology like advances crazy, like thanks to Moore's law, but um, uh, but uh, there's definitely going to be some limit, I think. Well, yeah, Moore's, like, with Moore's, Moore's law, like, law like, already like, argue is dead, right? Like we're we're not seeing these kinds of like technological exactly, leaps yeah. That we like used like to. What, what's next? What like obviously we don't know it'll naturally occur, but like <laughs> we we don't know what's next. That that's the right. difficult part. Right. Um, but, but sorry, I just thing. like I had a brain fart thing. Let me just finish this thing like, right here, but. Okay. It's like with the James Webb telescope now, now that we're like a few, now that we have the technology now, it's enabled us to take another leap from the Hubble Space Telescope, which was like photographs of like things we could see with our eye to now infrared. And that's enabling us to peer like way deeper into the cosmos and into into our own galaxy and discover things that we never knew that existed before. And then um, after this, the next telescope, which will be 2027, hopefully, but more like 2030, 
mid 2030s, it'll be incredible observing like dark matter and stuff. And these technological advancements in the past, like very short amount of time, like considering the entirety of human history, there it's just very incredible. I just wanted to make a note of it. Yeah, definitely. It's crazy to think how much we're like learning about the universe. Um, here's the thing. Uh, recently, there was an article about the James Webb. I said that all the mirrors had been like tuned up and it took its first test photo. The resolution of that photo was much better than they expected. So with your Moore's law, with, with the fact that technological advancements will happen, um, I, I don't know what, what we'll expect in the future. We will definitely see some hopefully images that can tell us more about the universe and at the beginning of time, what happened, give us a better sense of how the universe formed, what caused the Big Bang. There are so many different theories, like there used to be a universe and then everything gradually expanded and and then came together to a single node, collided, and then boom, Big Bang starts a new universe. Um, mm -hmm. There are several different theories about how the universe began, but we never know for sure. We weren't alive to witness it. That's why we have things like these telescopes, which are peering into the edges of the universe. And you may think it's counterintuitive to see, oh, how is this telling us what's happening at the beginning of time? But these images that our telescopes are receiving from the edges of the universe, they take time to transmit to us. Right. And that time, if we're getting the images right now, this actually occurred millions and millions of light years ago, millions of millions of years ago. And theoretically, like it's very counterintuitive when you think about it. The further you peer into space and whatever you're getting at that moment, that is an image of that planet, that galaxy, millions of years, years ago. It's not yeah. their actual image right now. Yeah. It's very weird. It, it continues to get me to this day, but it's just fascinating how, how life Speed works. Of light is insane. Yeah. And I, Hubble did some of that, but this will do even more of that because this can go even deeper into space. Right. Uh huh. Yeah. And uh, what was it 2017? I mean, it's been so many years. Well, remember when they took the picture of the first black hole yeah i think it was yeah. like 2017 um mm. it, it's ridiculous how we're getting pictures of something we can't even see right <laughs> so maybe this dark matter dark energy telescope can tell us give us some readings on something we aren't even able to witness and uh, i think that look into the future is uh, a good thing to end on so uh, uh, I guess that's it for telescope talks. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ethan Garcia was not able to join us today, but we look forward to having him on the next episode. And uh, for people who stuck around to this point, we'd like to thank you for listening. And uh, we will be coming out with more episodes. Uh, we did like, we've been uploading more frequently recently, and we hope to continue that. So yeah, uh, thank we hope you very to much. do some, some shorter episodes. So it's it's easier for everyone to pay attention and listen right yeah <laughs> we we got tiktokified exactly okay uh but hopefully we do get more episodes on. Yeah, yeah thank you the shorter format makes it a lot easier to record episodes for sure 
Definitely. Okay. Uh, thank you, everybody. And uh, we'll catch you next time. Goodbye.